0: I think Tannehill's uh, playing really well. Um, You know, obviously, Derrick Henry, uh, you know, is a big, strong back. They've got uh, a really good offensive
1: line. Uh, The center's a good player. Uh, Both tackles are good players.
2: What is up? Welcome to Vikings Vantage, presented by Pepsi, the official soft drink of the Minnesota Vikings. I am your host, Gabe Henderson, alongside Vikings.com audio producer and my co-host, Chris Corso. Today... We get you guys up to speed with everything you need to know from inside the TCO Performance Center regarding the Vikings. It's week three. The Vikings are only two looking to get their first win against a dominant Tennessee Titans team. That's 2-0 for the first time since 2008. Uh, Chris, uh, it's pretty obvious. We, we got to write this ship. Starting at 12 p.m., you can catch Sunday's game right here on the Vikings Radio Network, KFAN 100.3. Voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, will be calling the game alongside Pete Bursich, Ben Lieber, and Greg Coleman. You can also catch the game on CBS as well. Today's Titanic to-do list. We hear from Justin Jefferson and Eric Wilson, Purple Insider. Matthew Collar joins the show and we dive deeper into the Vikings Titans matchup with former Titans staff writer turned Viking senior editor Craig Peters. But before we do that, we start this Friday show the way we always do with the best thing we saw this week. Corso. Gabe, when I look at this Vikings
3: offense and the way it can get to the next level, I look at first round draft pick Justin Jefferson and Jefferson spoke to the media this week. He's had 70 yards in his first two games of his NFL career. And Gabe, he's not satisfied.
2: Anything to help this team. Um, I'm here to, to make those big plays and to um, bring a lot of excitement to this organization. So um, we just have to do a lot of, a lot of more different stuff and, um, to, to get the ball in, in different people's hands and, and let the playmakers work. Of course, we know last week Justin Jefferson had a team-high 44 yards and Adam Thielen 31 yards, but an interesting stat, and I'm glad you wrote this on our production sheet this week. Adam Thielen has 16 targets in two weeks, B.C. Johnson next with seven, and then Justin Jefferson has just six. So it's going to be a lot of guys that's going to have to step up in big-time moments, which brings me to my next point, another guy that has to make – a big step in his career and a big step this week is Eric Wilson. We all know Anthony Barr is out for the season with the torn pec muscle. So Eric Wilson, we we know him for his energy. We, we know him for his smile. We know him for uh, what he can do just to, you know, alongside Eric Hendricks, the energizer bunny of this defense. But there, there was something that stood out to me about Eric Wilson this week. Like There, there wasn't a smile on his face his energy at practice was unmatched. His approach this week was unmatched. And of course, everybody asked him the same question. How, how how, does it feel filling in that void for Anthony Barr? And his response to those questions were amazing. We expect to win every single game. So after we've, you know, lost these first two games, you know, it can be kind of uh, upsetting. You know, I think that's the best way to put it. We're, we're just upset that we are we haven't won, but that doesn't mean we're We don't have the personnel to win, which we do. We have the coaching to win. It's just a matter of us going out and and not beating ourselves. And The talent is there. Uh, Even Adam Zimmer said it. It's tough to replace a guy like Anthony Barr, but they're confident Eric Wilson can come in and still make an impact.
3: Absolutely, and I still remember this guy coming in as an undrafted free agent out of the University of Cincinnati and just completely shocking Vikings coaches and making this roster. Of course, you remember last year when he blocks a punt and his abs- his face mask just cracked in half and he's bleeding from his face. That's the kind of player that this guy is. Started out on special teams, and now he has a huge opportunity to be the Vikings strong side linebacker for the rest of the season.
2: Derek Henry, 6'2" well, 6'3", 250, the LeBron James of football when it comes to his size and just strength, it's going to take more than one person to get him down and send some of the guys down, like Anthony Barr, Troy Dye. The injury report this week, who else was on that injury report, Corso?
3: The injury report on Friday was was not very different for the Vikings. Cameron Dantzler, the rookie starting cornerback, has been ruled out with a rib injury. Mike Hughes, who we recently brought up, the third-year cornerback, has a neck injury. He is out for the game. Uh, that's two of your starting cornerbacks from week one. And then Mike Boone, the backup running back, he has a concussion and he'll be questionable for the game as well as second year cornerback, Chris Boyd. He is also questionable for the game. So Gabe, we're going to have to go pretty deep onto the depth chart at the cornerback position for the for the Vikings to have uh, some success on defense in this game.
2: Yeah, for sure. And a guy that we talked about last week, Jeff Gladney. Week one, he only had I think one or two snaps in the first first half, and then had the following his following seven snaps uh, in the second half. So nine snaps in the first game of the season. Sixty snaps in week two. Played almost the entire game. He's going to have to step up. It was good seeing Chris Boyd at practice today. That was that was depth at that cornerback position that can make plays. A guy like Harrison Hand everybody's, you know, bringing him up. I mean, you draft him in the fifth round, he, he's going to be expected to make some plays. And, I mean, now is his time to shine, and this league is next man up. And you, when you have two safeties like Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith who've played every single snap for this defense in week one and in, in both week one and week two, those guys aren't expecting these guy, these rookies to be rookies anymore. Hey, we got to win games. We'll be right back with more Vikings Vantage with our special guest, Matthew Collard from the Purple Insider, and our own senior editor, Craig Peters. But first, hey Vikings fans, this football season, make Pepsi your go-to game day drink because it's the only drink for football watching. Pepsi, that's what I like. What is up? We are back. Vikings Vantage presented by Pepsi, Chris Corso, Gabe Henderson. We now bring in our special guest, Vikings beat reporter, Matthew Collar from Purple Insider. Matthew, how you doing, man?
1: Well, I'm sipping on a delicious Pepsi here, getting ready for this game. And uh, I I am excited, guys, to have another game because this last week of reactions post Vikings and Colts (laughs) has not been uh, the most fun week that anybody has ever had covering the team. So I am ready for another game here.
2: I'm glad we brought you on simply because you and I can (laughs) we both share similar disdain about the Yankees. And I know Corso is an avid Yankees fan, which we we, we got to find him a way to get him off this show, basically. <laughs>
1: <laughs> let let me offer a quick take. I hope the Yankees and Twins match up again so the Twins can finally exercise the demons. <laughs>
3: gotcha. I got a text from Mark Rosen, our beloved colleague that we work with at the Vikings Entertainment Network, and he is praying that they find some way to not be the four and five seed and play each other in the first round again.
1: I look at it the total opposite way. I mean, slay the dragon at some point here, right? I mean, if you really want to be a championship contender, you got to beat the Yankees. So go do it this time.
2: For sure. And I think the twins can do so. But speaking of the Vikings, we need a a win. We're going to start the conversation off with this. What are some reasons for optimism?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And I know that if you were on Twitter at any point this week, uh, there weren't many expressed. But, well, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, first of all, Back-to-back bad games. It's not the first time that this team or any other team has had back-to-back bad games. And as rough as it was, I think that you have too much talent to look at this and say, there's no hope that you can beat the Titans. There's no hope that you can beat the Texans who are coming up. And there's so many players on this team who have performed in their first two weeks well below what we expect from them. And that starts with Kirk Cousins. Right now, I think he has a 61 quarterback rating, the worst Quarterback rating of his career as a starter is 93. So I, I think that we will see much better versions of Cousins. And he historically has always bounced back from rough starts, even when you go back to his time in 2015 when he first was a full time starter. The you like that game came after a couple of rough games, and then he had a big comeback against Tampa Bay. He says that you like that thing, and that's stuck. But Right. The context of that was that he had been criticized pretty heavily there in DC after some rough starts. And then he bounced back. We saw this in 2018. He had back-to-back starts against New England and Seattle that were not very good at all. And then he bounced back after that and they beat, I think it was Miami and in Detroit and Ryan Tannehill at that point. And when you look at the weapons that they have, and you're talking about, you know, having Justin Jefferson not get involved all that much To start the season. I think there's an opportunity there for him to perform better. There's an opportunity for BC Johnson to take a big step forward. There's, you know, Adam Thielen has had uh, uh, only a few opportunities when the game is close early in the game and hasn't, you know, they've, they've gotten them the ball only a couple of times. So I look at it as this is about as low as you could start and you can really only go up from here with the talent that you have, but if they don't get a win this week, then we're talking about, well, what now at 0-3? So this is one where it has to bounce back for this team.
3: I think Mr. Cousins did a good job of that last year when we were 2-2 two and two and had that dreadful six points scored in Chicago, and then he goes and wins the Offensive NFC Player of the Month in October. Do you think that the Vikings offense can have that sort of turnaround in these next few games? Do you think that's a real possibility?
1: Yeah, I think turning it around to that level where he wins player of the month is going to be a big challenge because even though the offensive line was not perfect last year, I think that this year they've had even more issues at especially the guard position where you're playing Dakota Dozier, who's a career backup, and then Drew Samia, who just played really his first real game. He got in week 17 last year. So there's going to be kind of a curve there of those guys getting up to the point where even Pat Elfline and Josh Klein were less season. And, and then the fact that you don't have Stefan Diggs. I mean, let's be realistic here. Stefan Diggs dominated that month. He had a, just as good of a case for player of the month as Kirk Cousins did, especially with Adam Thielen going down and then him really rising to the challenge. You don't have the two wide receivers like you had before. So what you'll need here is Irv Smith Jr., Justin Jefferson, Delvin Cook as, as more of a part of the passing game for them to get back on track. I'd look at it and say, there's just too many good players with the football in their hands to not bounce back to some extent. But I think setting the bar at, you know, winning player of the month. And I think Kirk had something like 130 quarterback rating. You're probably playing teams that are too good for that. At the same time, the Titans just gave up 30 points to uh, the Jaguars and you're talking about a Houston team that has struggled on defense through the first couple of weeks and does not have the talent of some of the old Houston Texans teams that would get to the playoffs with Matt Schaub and so forth. So there are opportunities though these next couple of weeks and even Seattle's defense got ripped up by Cam Newton. Atlanta gave up 40 points the other day. There are plenty of opportunities coming up for the offense to bounce back and that is what has to carry them with so many new parts and injured parts on defense
2: vikings titans 12 p.m right here on vikings radio network you can also watch the game on fox and matthew you're talking about twitter you can also follow matthew collar at matthew collar on twitter but you you made a good point you said let's get the reality here anthony barr went down with the torn peck muscle so there's a void right there we know eric wilson is going to fill that so what constitutes as a good game for our run defense versus derrick henry
1: Yeah, I think that if you hold them under five yards per carry, you're probably in good shape. And the thing I think about with last week, I actually liked the approach from Mike Zimmer to give help to the cornerbacks, the young corners. And we see that Mike Hughes is dealing with an injury here and we don't know his status exactly. But if he can't play, you're talking about even more young corners being in there, replacing other young corners. And and I thought that it made sense to force opponents to beat you with the run game. Just because if you think about Derrick Henry has a good run, he gets 10 to 12 yards. If you have a good passing play, you're getting 50 yards a lot of times. And and we saw T.Y. Hilton, uh, you know, drop a ball. We saw Valdez scantling the week before, drop a ball on those deep passes. And I think that this defense where it is, Currently, without Daniil Hunter, without Anthony Barr, they have to play a bend, don't break. So force other teams to run 10, 12 plays. And I know that takes your offense off the field, but it's kind of darned if you do, darned if you don't. Like if you start blitzing all over the place, then you might be talking about what Aaron Rodgers did and hitting on big plays against you. So I think it makes a little more sense to try and keep everything in front of you, force teams to get into third downs and then hope you get a stop or hope you get a red zone stop and hold them to a field goal.
3: After not seeing much of a pass rush at all in week 1, there were a few positives for the Vikings week 2, unique Ngakwe being one of them, finally uh, getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands. Who on this Vikings defensive line, like speaking of young guys, who need to step in? Who who can step in and really have an impact in this game?
1: Yeah, that's a a good question because the opportunity is there. And so far we haven't really seen it. Now, there were a couple of plays that I actually liked what Jalen Holmes did in the last game. And he's a guy that is looking at his kind of path as... This is your one big chance. And this goes for someone like Afadi Adenabo too, uh, where this is your one big shot because there are these injuries and now you're put in, in this opportunity and Ryan Tannehill will hold on to the ball. They are going to run play actions that are slow developing and it will give you chances to get after him and potentially get a sack and make a game changing play. So that's what is interesting about this situation as opposed to in years past where we would have been talking about, okay, we know exactly what Everson brings and what Linval brings and what Shamar brings, but we didn't see a whole lot of the other guys aside from situational rushing jobs with Afadi Adenabo, Stephen Weatherly and so forth. So now we're talking about a lot more people getting opportunities. And I'm interested to see if Holmes can kind of get a little more consistent with, with some of the good reps that he had last week, because against the Packers, we didn't see a whole lot there. And now he's going to have a chance. And also one of his best plays, he actually beat Quentin Nelson rushing over the guard. And I'm curious if they've sort of doubled back and said, you know what? He actually might be better at rushing over the guard than being more of a defensive end. So, I mean, the, the thing is with this team is for the first time in a long time and why it's so interesting to me this season is that there are just so many new faces and new people that we are unfamiliar with and we're trying to learn about on a week-to-week basis.
2: Purple Insider Matthew Collar, this is the Vikings Vantage. Matthew, on your Purple Insider report recently, you had some interesting takes on your film room session grading the second-year O-lineman Garrett Bradbury and Drew Samia. Other than those two guys, how would you grade this Vikings offensive line the first two games?
1: Well, I think on an overall basis, it's been a struggle. Um, When it comes to the pass protection, especially, Cousins has been uh, under a lot of duress, and as a whole, last week – the interior was eaten up by DeForest Buckner, that he consistently beat them. And I do think, though, with Garrett Bradbury, there are signs of him making progress in year two. It's just that the things that Garrett Bradbury was always going to have issues with, giant, powerful players, because he is undersized, doesn't have the, the biggest weight or the longest arms or any of those things, they're still a little bit problematic. But I do see better things from him. It's just when you're asking someone like Drew Samia to basically play his first game. And oh, yeah, here's one of the top three, four players at this position in the NFL. You're probably going to end up going viral and having a lot of people tweet out your your tough plays there. And that's what happened to him. Now on the outsides, though, I think Riley Reef has played maybe his best football since 2017. I think uh, I know that he came on the injury report this week, but he looked healthy these first two weeks. I think he's been very good. And Brian O'Neill, in my mind, is just a rising star in the league. That he gave up one sack in week one, and we all went, "Wow!" Brian O'Neill gave up a sa- a single sack because he just has done that so rarely uh, in the NFL so far in his career. And I think as he gets more and more comfortable. And I think it was the right thing to continue to have him on the right side where he's played these last couple of years, that he is developing into a star player at that position. But. You just have these other parts that are coming in and out, and they don't have a continuity there as an offensive line. So maybe now it looks like is going to be out for a little while. Maybe now they can build that. Uh, but I still think that anytime they face interior rushers, and that's why the Jadavian Clowney matchup will be very interesting, that they're going to have to factor for that because Dozier and Samia are not the most experienced and not guys that they, I think, even really expected to start.
3: Speaking of the Vikings offense, you were at Gary Kubiak's press conference on Wednesday and he pretty much took some of the blame for for the performance of Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense so far. So Matt, my question for you is if you are the offensive coordinator of this team,
1: how are you attacking this game? Well, first of all, I agree. And I wrote something very similar to what Gary said about Justin Jefferson. And I think you have to look at two guys in Justin Jefferson and Delvin Cook and say, who are the best human beings with a football in their hands? And I think that the answer is Delvin Cook and Justin Jefferson. Now, how do you get the football in their hands? Because last year it worked really well to run play actions and a lot of deep routes to Stefan Diggs, but everybody knows that's coming now this year. I don't think anyone has taken a, a, by surprise that a Gary Kubiak team is going to try to run play action and go deep down the field where they might be caught off guard is, and I saw this a little bit against the Colts is Delvin Cook motioning out to the slot or Justin Jefferson running. A reverse, uh, things like that. And and it reminded me a bit of Cordero Patterson and how Mike Zimmer said in 2018 that he wished at times they had used Cordero Patterson as more of a playmaker and had more bubble screens and reverses and, and tosses and things like that. And I'm not saying that Jefferson should be that long-term in the NFL, but the guy is a special kind of athlete. And when we watched him in training camp, you just see that he moves differently than any other of the receivers. And in college, he was one of the best when it came to yards after reception, short passes, lining up in bunch formations and getting him, you know, little bubble screens that put, put him one-on-one with a defender. I think that those are all things you'd like to see uh, Justin Jefferson be used more. And Kubiak said that. I totally agree. You draft the guy in the first round because he's a special athlete. I totally understand why he wouldn't be ready to handle 70 plays and the entire route tree because of the weird off season. But there's a natural, get the ball in your hands, play football kind of thing that I think they need to utilize here going forward.
2: Matthew go anybody, but the New York Yankees. Thank you. Moving along, moving along onto the writers wrap up with Titans expert. No, let me do that one more time. This is Vikings senior reporter, former Titans expert, Craig Peters. When he's not eating Martin's barbecue in Nashville, he's covering the Vikings. Craig, how are you, man? (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's so crazy that you picked martin's because we haven't talked about this but that's actually my favorite restaurant (laughs) in nashville
2: i swear it is being from north carolina we haven't had our barbecue debates yet but i'm a barbecue connoisseur so i had to bring that up to start off and we'll talk a little bit more about our barbecue biases off camera but moving on craig what stands out to you about this vikings and your former team the tennessee titans matchup this week
0: I think uh, one of the things that is amazing to me is through two weeks, neither team has played their best football. But here, the Vikings are 0 and 2, and here the Titans are 2 and 0. So they've they've managed to win close games. Vikings have not been able to recover from really bad lulls in the second quarters, and it's just kind of skewed things where the Vikings aren't playing the kind of football that they want to play, and the Titans have been able to play this style of play that they want to do, and then they've pulled it out late in games. There have only been a three-game losing streak, I believe, by the Vikings under Zimmer in uh, 2014, and then 2016, a four-game losing streak. Um, so that's, that's a pretty good uh, run of avoiding severe lapses. So we'll see what uh, Coach Zimmer has in store. We'll see what the players come back with. It's not an a, a easy team to go against. I mean, this team was in, in the AFC Championship last year. So and they they retain so much from that team. Tannehill, we'll get into him in a little bit. I mean, he's playing at an elite level. Derrick Henry's tough to tackle on every day. Um, so and and much less without Anthony Barr, Daniil Hunter, and like two of the really important pieces of of the Vikings defense.
3: You brought up tackling Derrick Henry. I think that's going to be a big time uh, matchup to watch for the Vikings this week how does the team stop this running back I mean he's like a tight end in the backfield
0: I oh, mean he's bigger than the linebackers on the Vikings roster by like 20 pounds almost so um he's tall but he runs with a great pad level and then one hat is never enough he has 97 broken tackles since 2016 which ranks second to Melvin Gordon Melvin Gordon has about 50 more carries during that time And then uh, I believe it's like in the 2,500 yards after contact. Last year, Derrick Henry got 968 yards after contact. That's almost like a great... That's a good season on its own. Yeah, yeah. Like his season after contact last year was just amazing. And then on the other side, the Vikings have missed 20 tackles, according to Sport Radar, through two games. Okay, last year, the Vikings missed 67 for the entire season tackling has been one of the hallmarks of the zimmer defense so with new pieces in place they're gonna get those they're gonna need to get those fits figured out and get get multiple people to the ball to to henry
2: september 27th is a a special day in vikings country because it's viking sunday but more importantly it's your sixth anniversary with the team in 2014 you took the trek up from to, from Nashville to Minneapolis to start your career with the Vikings and I got an interesting stat for you. Since 2014 when you got here, the Vikings are 5 and 1 in their second home game at US Bank. Of course, this game this is a home game for the guys and during your time covering the Titans, you had a, a great opportunity to cover a, a really good back in Chris Johnson from 2010 to 2013, four straight 1000-yard seasons, but moving back from there Six straight yards, six straight 1,000-yard seasons from 2008 to 13. I've been on record saying Dalvin Cook and Chris Johnson, they're so similar to me as far as like their bursts, how they get in and out of, you know, tackles, just the certain nuances of the game. Those guys remind me of each other. Are, Are there any comparisons from watching the two?
0: Yeah, for, first of all, what a treat it's been with the running backs of getting to, to watch and cover in person. CJ had just come off his 2006-yard uh, season in 2009 when I started, and he, he broke a 76-yarder in my first game with the Titans, so that was cool too. His straight-line speed just, just left people in the dust, and I feel like you're onto something with the acceleration that both Chris Johnson and Dalvin Cook have from – pretty much stops, you know, like Dalvin's ability to accelerate right after a handoff is just incredible to me. I love the way he takes corners. It's just so smooth, very little wasted motion, if any, like, I mean, it's, 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 it's almost poetic seeing him reach the edge and, and go around. And then the other thing that I, I think is, is really interesting about these two guys is they're, they're a little bit different body types, but both those guys finish runs by making impacts
3: we've covered the running backs now I want to ask you about the quarterback on the Titans big extension in the offseason for Ryan Tannehill and it was probably a slow start to his NFL career but man with the Titans Craig he, he's
0: been a different player it's incredible I mean Tannehill was the eighth overall pick by the Dolphins and uh the Vikings actually played the Dolphins my first year here and he threw for 396 and I think four in a game in Miami, it was a 37 35 game. And, uh, he played super great there. The Dolphins came to visit us in, uh, the Vikings in 2018. And, uh, you know, that defense just, just shut him down. I mean, it was, it was like a two different quarterbacks. Now he's found this career resurgence. I mean, 12 starts in Nashville, nine and three as a starter. That's kind of a function of a good team around him too. But I mean, the level at which he's playing right now is incredible. These 12 games, uh, 69.7% completions. That's fantastic. 28 touchdown passes to just five interceptions. And you add that all up, and it's a passer rating of 119.9. 119.9. Like, if you get to 100, that's generally pretty good. You know, you you can win a lot of football games if your quarterback checks in with 100. Just the way that he appears in command of the offense – is able to get the ball where it needs to go. I did see one thing that um, his, his yards per attempt was a couple yards higher last year. So maybe they're, they're looking underneath a little bit more. And I know they've been banged up at receiver a little bit too. So that, that could be changing things as well. But the way that they were able to, to clear up the tight end, uh, Smith last week should be concerning. And uh, just just the way that Tannehill has has been so consistent. I mean, I think his his lowest uh, performance was at Carolina, and he, it was a passer rating in the eighties last November. Um, after that, everything's been 90 and above and um, cons- just so consistent with, with what he's done.
2: I think uh, Tannehill has only thrown one interception in his last seven games, which that's just another level of confidence right there. He's building on that from last year. Th- there's an article that Lindsey Young, Vikings.com staff writer, just published this week. And it's titled Eric Wiltzing shouldering more responsibility with Anthony Barr out. Of course, you know, Anthony Barr is out with a season ending pectoral injury. But when you listen to Eric Wilson's presser this week and you, you seen him at practice earlier this week, how excited are you for him?
0: Uh, Yeah. You, you gotta love the way that Eric Wilson is, has come in as an undrafted free agent. You know, we thought he would be like this major force on special teams, just watching him in his very first training camp. And, and sure enough, definitely was. And, Um, He's done so well and coaches are highly complimentary of his intelligence level, his ability to handle multiple things. I mean, when you're the backup linebacker, you have to master or try to be the understudy for so many different responsibilities and roles. Now, that said, filling in for Anthony Barr, a four-time pro bowler who's like a a keystone of Mike Zimmer's defense is, is going to be a taller for anyone on the planet. Um, but Eric will bring a, a, an extreme energy and his intelligence. It'll be interesting to see what the Vikings do with the headset communications device. That's been bar usually relaying place from the sidelines, getting guys lined up. Uh, Kendricks has done it in the past, but uh, I think that they, they love when Kendricks can play so free and doesn't have that on his plate as well. It's kind of incredible the run that the Vikings are going through at linebacker this early in a season. And uh, I think there's going to be a nice dynamic even when we shift into a nickel package with the speed that Kendricks and Eric Wilson have. So we'll, we'll we'll look to that going forward too. We covered the years that you worked for the Tennessee Titans
3: with head coach Jeff Fisher's last season, three for Mike Munchek and Ken Wisenhunt's first uh, off season with the team. So now a couple years under Mike Vrabel, and their defense has has shifted in from a four three to a three four. So what is the defense? A lot of new faces. What, what is that going to be like for the Vikings going up against them on Sunday?
0: Yeah, I think what we've seen is like a multi-year transformation. You know, Coach Fisher always had the 4-3. Coach Munchak continued that. When Ken Wisenhunt got there, he, he, tr- he began that transition, brought in Ray Horton as his, his defensive coordinator. And then when uh, former Vikings uh, tied in. Mike Mularkey took over as head coach. He brought in Dick LeBeau. Everyone knows his success with the three-four. Uh, those Pittsburgh teams. So, I mean, this this transition is in. It's like sixth, seventh year. So that's allowed the front office to identify the personnel that they want to run the three-four uh, up front. That you know. And so, like, if you think about it, you. You 4-3, you you know the defensive ends are like the household names. And then the 3-4, it's oftentimes those outside linebacker, edge rushers that are the household names. And they just picked up one, you know, recently in Jadavian Clowney. And he's been a problem in the limited times that the Vikings have played him. Remember when he was in Houston in in 16, they came up here. And he was (laughs) more than anyone wanted to handle And then he made a mark in the the Seattle game last year. And uh, it sounds like they're moving him around a little bit, Uh, maybe not even lining up on the edge all the time. And just, you know, and a a talented pass rusher. Uh, It's kind of like a – just kind of this X factor thing that they can plug wherever they want to get some pressure from and kind of pick and choose matchups that they like. So I think that – Vrabel's personality, his successful career as a player in those those Patriot teams that were um, so strong on defense a lot of those years uh, has has transitioned well. And I think he's taken the foundation that has been laid and he's he's strengthened it with his experience and expertise.
2: Thank you, Craig. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And make sure you stay tuned to Vikings.com for your most up to date coverage of the team. Vikings Titans kickoff is set for 12 p.m. right here on KFAN. Vikings Radio Network pregame show will start at 10 a.m. with voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen and Pete Bursich. For Chris Corso, Craig Peters, Matthew Collar, I'm Gabe Henderson. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Vikings Vantage brought to you by Pepsi. That's what I like. Skull.